if God has dispensed His grace and mercy on you and me, then what God is asking us to do is to do something that He did for us. It is necessary to consider what God has done for you. We were His enemies, but He elected to love us. So God wants us to help to love those that are in the same fallen state we once were. That is why it is critical to always remember what our true past was, to never forget where God took us from. Hello and welcome to another message from the Latter Rain Ministries, where we're dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. Today we'll be talking about loving your enemies. It should be quite easy to love those that love us and do good to us. It should be easy to love our parents and relatives, our friends, all of those people that do good things to us and for us day in and day out. But God requires that we go further than that because there is no reward to love those that love you. God requires that we love our enemies and loving our enemies goes beyond forgiving their trespasses. This is something that is nearly impossible for most to do, but through Christ, the impossible can become possible. Today's message is based on Luke chapter 6, verses 27 to 36. Let us pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, blessing and honor be to you, O Lord. I praise you, I worship you, Lord God, for your goodness and your mercy and your grace, Heavenly Father. Blessed are you, O Lord God, because you are merciful, because you are gracious. Heavenly Father, because you show your love in so many different ways to us. I pray, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, that you may please God, forgive our sins. Forgive my sins, Lord God. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray, O oh God, that you may please always remember us, that we are less than nothing, and that it is impossible for us to be able to do the things that you want us to do if we do them without you. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, help us to understand that we need you, that we need you to be able to do your will, to be able to, Lord God, do those things that honor and please you. I give you thanks, O Lord, Heavenly Father, because you have given us your Holy Spirit, because through him is that all things are possible. Blessed are you, O Lord God, forever and ever. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Today's key passage can be found in Luke chapter 6, verses 27 to 36. This is the word of the Lord. But I say to you who hear, Love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who spitefully use you. To him who strikes you on the one cheek, offer the other also. And from him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who asks of you. And from him who takes away your goods, do not ask them back. And just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise." But if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much back. But love your enemies. Do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for He is kind to the unthankful and evil. Therefore be merciful, just as your Father also is merciful. 
This is probably one of the most difficult messages to accept for most people. And what makes it so difficult is that it demands for us to do something that goes completely against our nature while considering a very unpleasant and humbling reality. To be perfectly honest, I have to say that this is still something quite challenging for me to do. The act of loving your enemy, which is the first thing we will look at. Notice that the Lord Jesus Christ is not talking about just forgiving your enemy. That is one of the misconceptions that is drawn from this passage. Forgiveness is one thing, which involves letting go or not taking into consideration something wrong done to you, which could involve someone even apologizing for that wrongdoing. That is not necessarily what this passage is talking about here, although it can be very much involved with forgiveness. What this passage quite clearly is literally saying is that we must love our enemies, which goes beyond forgiveness. In other words, and according to the Lord, we need to come to the point of not just forgiving someone that has done something wrong to us, but to go beyond to the point of coming to love them. And we're not talking about feelings. This is also one of the biggest mistakes in our society today, that it does not know what love is. Love is not about feeling butterflies in your stomach or a sexual attraction or lust or about desire. The Bible explains in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 that love is the following, where it says, love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. And so love can be basically defined as it relates to expressing it to another person as the act or the decision to look for the best interest of another person in a disinterested manner. Love is all about giving goodness and kindness and not about receiving anything in return. So it is very different to what most people think love is today. Therefore, the Lord is telling us through the key passage that we need to decide to love, to do good and kind acts to those people that have wronged us to the point that they have become our enemies. That is extremely difficult, is it not? This goes against our very nature. We all have the tendency to like and even to come to love people, but when they do good to us. But to love someone that has done wrong to us, that has hurt us somehow. How can that be? It is many times very difficult to come to forgive a person, even if there is a deep apology. And many times, if there is forgiveness, there is usually the not forgetting what has been done wrong. It is our natural tendency to hate a person that has wronged us. Even further, it is our natural tendency to want revenge for being hurt, especially when we haven't done anything wrong to the offending party, if you will. Now, how can we come to do something like this, to do something that is unnatural for us? The answer the word of God gives, which involves our own salvation, is by changing our nature. We need to be transformed, to be changed, to be made into a new creation. We cannot do this on our own, and this is something that is critical for us to understand. When God asks us to do or achieve something that goes beyond our natural abilities, then that means that we need divine intervention. We ultimately need God's help. 
We cannot give ourselves eternal life just like we cannot come to love our enemies on our own. That's why they are both related where we need God for both. But the first thing must happen, and that is that we need to become a new creation. We need to be changed and transformed. One of the passages that talks about how to become something new is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, where it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So what does it mean to be in Christ? Well, Christ himself said this also, which involves a new beginning. In John chapter 3, we read the following. For most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? How can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The Lord mentions being born of water and the Spirit as the means to be born again, to start over with a new beginning, to become something new. Now, what does being born of water and the Spirit mean? When Christ refers to being born of water, he is first making mention about John the Baptist's baptism. John's baptism was about repentance, about turning away from all sins. That was the whole point of his ministry, to prepare the way of the Lord, to make people ready to receive the Messiah. That is the very first thing that must take place in a person's life, and it should make sense. Let's think about this for a moment. If a person wants a new beginning, to become something different, would it not make sense to let go of the old, to turn away from everything they were, and did in a past they want to leave behind. That's the point of repentance and conversion, of turning away from sin and leaving it behind so a new direction, a new course can be set. But now, what is that new course, that new direction, or that new trajectory? Christ, which is the second part to the equation, this affair about being born in the Spirit. When we repent and convert from all of our sins, By making the decision to leave our past life in the past, we need to go to Christ. Jesus was very clear about this where he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And he also said this, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. You see, when we have sinned against God, we are spiritually dead in our trespasses. There is no life in our soul. For God says, Behold, all souls are mine. The soul of the Father as well as the soul of the Son is mine. The soul who sins shall die. And it is also written, And you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. This is why we need to come to Christ after turning away from all of our sins, because if we don't come to Christ, we remain dead in our trespasses and sins. 
and a dead soul cannot live forever, nor can it come to love anyone, not even itself. It's dead. And what's worse, if a person does not repent and convert from this condition, they remain being a child of wrath under the power of the prince of this world. Who is that prince? The devil. When a person does not belong to Christ, when they are not in Christ, then the awful truth is that they are in the devil. This is also one of the most difficult and humbling things for most people to accept. And there is no easier way to say it. And we should know that there is no life, no love, no peace, and of course, no immortality in and through the devil. So a person needs to come to Christ if they want to live forever, if they want to belong to God, if they want to be released from the consequences of sin. And this is what the scriptures have to say about that, about this being saved. In Romans chapter 10, it says, but what does it say? A word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith, which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes into righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And so there is no other way to put it. A person must change lords. If a person wants to stop being in the devil in his ways, then they need to turn away from the devil, turn away from sin and turn to the Lord Jesus Christ and ask him to be the Lord of their life. That is how salvation occurs and how a person comes to be born again, to have that new beginning, that new life, to start that transformation through Jesus Christ. We can have a new beginning, a new start, a new life through the Lord, but that's what it is, a new beginning. It's a start. It doesn't mean that all is done. Yes, Christ did it all for us on the cross, but when a person comes to Christ, to be in Christ, they are starting a journey towards the Father. It's a process. It's a path that must be walked. Now, why do we need to do things like loving our enemies? There is a main reason and something to consider as the motivation to that main reason. The main reason why we need to do what God requires from us, like this loving our enemy business, is that the only way that anyone can enter his kingdom is through the Lord Jesus Christ but by doing his will. We need to do as he tells us to do. We need to do his will. The word of God is quite clear in this, as Jesus said it himself in Matthew chapter seven. It says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my father in heaven. And so it is a requirement to do God's will. That's why faith alone is not the answer. It's about faith, about putting our complete trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. But it is also about repenting and converting from our evil ways and doing precisely as the Lord tells us to do. For it is also written, thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? So if a person wants to be saved, their faith 
must produce good works. There must be a product, something resulting from faith in Christ in a person's life. We can't just say, I believe in Christ, and that's it. Genuine faith renders good works, and loving our enemies is one of those good works that God requires as a fulfillment of his will here on earth. And as mentioned before, it is necessary for us to be transformed and changed through the regeneration of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We must be born again in Christ so we can achieve things like this. God is the only one that can bring about this transformation, which is a part of the good works that God desires for our lives to produce for Him. Now, we had mentioned a motivator, a reason for this action that God requires of loving our enemy. What should be our motivation? We had touched on before that our position before coming to Christ was a terrible one, that we belong to the devil. And so we were once God's enemies, under the very influence of the devil himself, prisoners to our sinfulness and evil desires. Yet despite the fact that we were God's enemies, God still chose to love us. The Lord chose to love us despite our terrible position, despite the fact that we belonged to the devil. For it is written, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And so, if God has dispensed His grace and mercy on you and me, then what God is asking us to do is to do something that He did for us. It is necessary to consider what God has done for you. We were His enemies, but He elected to love us. So God wants us to help to love those that are in the same fallen state we once were. That is why it is critical to always remember what our true past was, to never forget where God took us from. We can never forget our past. Remember who you were and where you came from and remember what God did for you through his only begotten son, Jesus Christ. And I'm sure you all have heard in some form what people refer to as the golden rule, as Jesus himself said it. Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Whether we want to admit it or not, or whether we notice it or not, we have all hurt people along the way. Each one of us have hurt or wronged someone or some people at some point. If we have wronged people, how would you want for those people to treat you? Would you want for those people to execute a speedy condemnation for your wrongful actions? Would you want to experience their revenge for all of the wrong you did to them? Let's suppose for a moment that you feel you have wronged no one, which is impossible. When we sin, we sin against ourselves and, of course, against God. Our offenses are always against God. So if you feel that you are a good person, that you haven't hurt or wronged anyone, you are deeply mistaken. I'm sorry to tell you that. When we sin, and every single person has sinned in their lives, we sin against God. And so would you want for God to execute judgment on you for all of your wrongdoings? I don't think so, right? So all God is asking us to do is to consider the goodness he has shown us and to show that same goodness to others that have wronged us. This one final thing I submit to you, humbly considering myself first, so that you consider this good work of starting to love your enemies by forgiving them. And that is this. 
If you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. The only way that God will forgive our sins is not just by repenting and converting from all of our sins before Him. We need to forgive so we can be forgiven. It's as simple yet as difficult as that. No one said that the truth would be easy because it is not easy. But God's truth is the only one that will set us free for all eternity through the Lord Jesus Christ. So for your own sake, love your enemies as God chose to love you who used to be his enemy. I know that we speak often about repentance of sins, about accepting the Lordship of Jesus Christ, ultimately about salvation or about being born again. But this is why we need to constantly make mention of this, because there is no eternal life, nor can we do the will of the Father without true salvation through Jesus Christ. Following a religion or doing things that seem good do not lead to salvation. We can't pretend to be Christians. It's not about just going to church and trying to be a good person. It's absolutely necessary to repent and convert from all sins and to accept and follow the Lord Jesus Christ as the Lord and God He is. And that is only the beginning. There is a journey that must be undertaken, a path or way that must be walked, if you will, which involves living out the Father's will in our lives. And we need to make these things the center of our lives, or else there is no salvation, no eternal life. We need to remember that we were created and made by God and for God. We did not make ourselves. We're not a product of some random cosmic accident. You were made by God. And even though you have sinned against God, God chose to love you and to give you the opportunity to be reconciled with Him through Jesus Christ and to come back to the original purpose for why you were made, to do His will, just as it is written. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And part of those good works God made for us involve not just forgiving our enemies, but loving our enemies. This is impossible to accomplish on our own. We need the indwelling of the Holy Spirit to do this, to find the way through Him to do things like this and other things that are the Father's will. This is one final thing we need to keep in mind. The way things count for us toward eternity is by doing everything in this order. The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment, and the second like it is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. We must love God above all things, and our love for God should be what motivates us to become the reason for why we do everything, including loving our neighbor as ourselves, and now, loving our enemies. Loving God always needs to be first in all things. He needs to be the reason for our good works. If we do these things, we will be able to find salvation through Jesus Christ and do the Father's will on earth. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Holy God, thank you, O Lord, for the love that you have shown us through your Son. 
Thank you, Heavenly Father, that you have given us the opportunity of salvation through him. Thank you because you did it gracefully, because it was a gift. Heavenly Father, I give you thanks for your love. Lord God, help us to understand and value what you have done for us through your Son. Help us to understand the cross and what it means. Help us to understand the grace that you have shown us. And help us, O Lord, to be able to do your will. Help us, O Lord God, Heavenly Father, to be able to love our enemies. Not only to just forgive them, but to love them. Heavenly Father, help us to remember that we were once your enemies, and yet you chose to love us and to do the greatest good anyone could ever do for us. Heavenly Father, help us, O Lord, to consider what you have done as we consider doing your will here on earth. But to you be all the honor and the glory and the praise forever and ever. For all things are about you, Lord God. For you are worthy of all things. Blessed be your name, O Lord God. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Please join us again next time as we look into God's Word together. And if you have any questions or just need some prayer, please email us through our website. If you want to listen to other messages, you can go to our website or look for our podcast in the Apple iTunes store under The Latter Rain Ministries to subscribe. The Latter Rain Ministries is a self-supporting Christian ministry dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. The Lord is near. May God bless you.